This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to another episode of Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and I'm joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist Thomas. Welcome Thomas. Oh uh, yeah, laugh it up, laugh it up. <laughs> I feel little little older brother evens the playing field somewhat. You've always been older, but now you're little. Yeah, well, little, it's a relative term. <laughs> <laughs> relative to me. Yeah, we're relatives. <laughs> you're smaller, yeah, it's true. Uh, hey, um... Exciting news, Thomas, uh, and a couple of things I just wanted to cover off maybe before we get started with the, the meat of the show um, is thanks to everyone who's tuned in to Comedian versus Economist, thanks to everyone out there who's listening to the show. Hopefully they're listening and enjoying the show and they're not just tuning in and then tuning out again, but um, we did have a sneaky peek at the Apple podcast charts earlier today and we are now, can you believe this, we are now ranked number two in investing podcast behind our good mates, Equity Mates Investing Podcast at number one in the investing section. So number two and number four in business podcasts yeah. across the whole of Australia. So wow. well done us. Well done you. Yeah. Uh, and and well done well done to all the listeners out there for, for tuning in and staying with us. We, we hope you're enjoying the show. Probably also worth noting, not in the top 100 of comedy podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, a, yeah. so I guess I guess you're holding up your side of the bargain pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I might be I might be letting the team down. Uh, it's a it's a tougher league comedy. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I thought you know comedian versus economist. I thought we had a fairly even pitch across the two the two demographics, and we've we've polled well in in not one but two categories of kind of a serious finance bent and. We haven't even featured in the top hundred, and you need to you need to get some sort of special access to see the bottom, the bottom one one to three hundred in comedy. So, wow. needless to say, I didn't sign up. <laughs> I didn't think we'd waste our, our budget on that. <laughs> but yeah, generally, genuinely do uh, do thank everyone out there for tuning in, listening. Um, speaking of people listening and tuning in, uh, we have been getting a ton of email coming through to us, which is super exciting as well. Um, you can, of course, email us at cve at equitymates.com or head over to the website and use the contact form at equitymates.com forward slash cve. Um, 
a few emails that that caught my interest actually, Tom, this week. One one was from Dylan. Now Dylan has asked a couple of questions, and I want to and I want to shout out to Dylan and tell him that I appreciate him asking me a question as well, which was a big thrill because most of the mail that we get is. It's fair to say it's directed at you, but Dylan, in the interest of, of balance, has gone, no, I'm going to ask Adam a question. And he starts the email, Adam, how do you take your eggs? And I'll be honest, Dylan, <laughs> I had to go to Urban Dictionary just to check that as a 40-something-year-old male, I wasn't missing a trick. Two things, don't go to Urban Dictionary and look up how do you take your eggs. Uh, secondly, Poached. Let's not muck around. The only way to have eggs is poached. Um, Thomas, how do you take your eggs out of interest? Uh, I'm a scrambled kind of guy. Scram. See, this is this is what separates us. I can't believe we're even from the same mother. There's an old saying that says you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. I say you can't make an omelette because that's not how you make poached eggs. Um, <laughs> ah, zing. Okay. Look out, comedy <laughs> charts. We're that's coming right. for you. <laughs> Top 200, here we come. Uh, no, there you go. There you go, Dylan. I hope that clears it up for you. <laughs> um, Dylan did also ask, Thomas, he's, he's called you out on your bold prediction. I think from perhaps from your uh, TV appearance on the Equity Mates show on uh, Osbys, mm. uh, or maybe it was the Mega Trends episode, I'm not sure. But you've been talking smack about Bitcoin oh, ever since know. it started going up. You've, you've, you're not a, a believer at all and he was wondering i think as we record today um with regards to bitcoin after after the tesla elon musk activity of course which was that tesla bought 1.5 billion dollars worth of bitcoin have you changed your tune now on bitcoin oh damn it dylan i didn't want to answer this Uh, yeah, no, I have been throwing a lot of FUD out there about Bitcoin. Um, I do, I, do, I feel a public duty to, to provide some counterweight to all the crypto rubbish that is out there. And there's a lot of rubbish out there. Um, yeah, and so I did make a bold prediction of crypto of Bitcoin going to five thousand. Some people are talking about it going to a hundred thousand. For the record, what's it at now? It's what's it at now? Forty-two, I think. Right. Yeah. Forty-two thousand. Yeah. So it's halfway yep. towards being totally wrong for me. Um, <laughs> oh, for for the record, yes, yeah, so I, I want to put that counterweight out there because, like, in the world that I live in, and and the research that I do, and the economists that yep. I read. There isn't mm. really anyone who's like Bitcoin's awesome, you know. Like mm. most people think, like yeah, it's, like it's got some nice features, but mm. the do- dominant global currencies—it's no one really sees a pathway for it. I haven't seen anyone explain the pathway to global financial system dominance ad- adequately. To me. I'm overthinking. I am overthinking. You are. It. Over- <laughs> you're overthinking. It. You and your smart mates are sitting around. <laughs> thinking oh, this is this there's nothing behind this bitcoin it's not going anywhere it doesn't deserve to be anywhere meanwhile the rest of us we're making we're making a rain yeah <laughs> we're off to the moon <laughs> see you later loser uh, <laughs> that's what's really eating you it up does, isn't it? It, is that yeah. is that people like me are making money out of bitcoin and people like you are sitting around going oh it just shouldn't happen it's not right i know there's no there's no there's no use case for bitcoin there's no there's no thesis <laughs> and we're like <"Woo-hoo!"> <laughs> <laughs> you want to you borrow some money tom 
you know what I did though? I I sold my Dogecoin. Oh, you, you're out. <laughs> I'm out because I figured I'm all in. I'm all in Bitcoin now from Doge, which mm. is not. I'm, we're not talking big bucks, obviously, because it's it's not how I roll. Um, but Elon Musk, he's not taking Dogecoin seriously. That's that's a joke, surely. Mm. He's, he's. I saw a tweet where he's saying hodl the rainforests. He's just like he he's 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 gone off script and you can't be his company's bought 1.5 billion dollars worth of a, a different coin <laughs> yeah like, one point yeah 1.5 billion and and tesla has repositioned its sort of like charter to say that it is it's allowed to just invest the cash that it's sitting on and it's sitting on a crap ton of cash because it's been selling stock at these like super crazy levels that it's at which you know I, i'm not saying that tesla's in a bubble but They've been taking advantage of the huge stock price run that they've seen. So they're selling heaps of stock. They've got a ton of cash and they've said that, yet yeah, we're allowed to invest this, you know, for the for the purpose of making a profit. So what are they doing with Bitcoin? Is it like it's just there, it's just a reserve and it's just there because they want the liquidity or they just see it as a safe asset? Or are they taking a punt going like this is this is on its way to the moon? The interesting thing, I think, for now, now that now that Tesla holds it. Does that put any constraint on Elon Musk to start tweeting about Bitcoin? Because if he tweets Bitcoin, every time he tweets anything, like, you mm. know, he bought a hat for his dog at Etsy, tweeted about it, Etsy's shares jumped 8%. He bought a hat for his dog. Doge. <laughs> <laughs> right, so any, anything he tweets gets a rocket under it. So, like, yeah. so if he tweets Bitcoin is awesome, I love it, and it booms. Like, is that market manipulation? Is he like? Well, it probably is. But but the SEC, are the, they're the the police in the in the market space, mm. right? They're not in control of crypto. Isn't that the whole point of crypto? Mm. It's like decentralized, un you know regulated currency. Mm. Can he even get a rocket under him or for for um, for pumping a crypto coin? That's not in the SEC's domain, is it? But it's it's like if you start a rumor. Like, you know, he, he, got, he got in trouble because he said some Saudi prince was offering 420 firm <laughs> for Tesla. <laughs> Turns out that's a joke about 420 cannabis culture. 420. <laughs> SEC didn't think it was that funny, actually, and he, he had to step down as CEO of Tesla. Um, so he got in trouble for that. But, you know, like if you start a rumor about something's mm. awesome happening in your company and the share price goes up, that's not okay. That's SEC's not, SEC's not cool with that. Mm. So if you if he starts tweeting stuff about Bitcoin and Bitcoin price booms as a result, and then Tesla's you know makes profit off that, is that it? I mean, mm. it's shady, but is it like criminal? I don't know. It's I don't know. It's an interesting one. I don't know. Mm. We'll leave, we'll leave that to the SEC. Yeah. So I don't know. So for for the record, I think you know a hundred thousand is as likely as five thousand. I still don't see the case for Bitcoin. In particular, but it is but money, gold, all of it. It's it works on a social construct. The social construct is just socially determined. Humans are weird. Weird stuff happens. Maybe Bitcoin goes to a hundred thousand. <laughs> I love I love watching you say it. Uh, all right, nice one. So um, thanks, Dylan, for your email. Um, really appreciate it taking the time to write in um someone else who wrote in was hugh and hugh was interested to know more about interest rates and what the low interest rates that we've got at the moment mean uh for things like property uh property prices for things like cash lending 
current mortgage holders, um, people who are looking to enter the property market maybe, um, what all that, what, what the low interest rates we've got at the moment mean. Um, I could take a stab at it, obviously. Uh, have a pretty pretty good go now that I've, I'm feeling quite educated in this space after the, the introductory series we did. If you haven't tuned in, make sure you go back and listen to that. Um, but I figured uh, we're covering a lot of that off today, aren't we? I think that's the plan. Yeah, let's um, yeah, let's take a look at that. I mean, the big news, the big news last week. We're recording this, so the first the RBA's meeting in in early Feb, uh, they announced they're going to chuck another hundred billion dollars into the economy. A hundred billion. Billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. With a B. Mm. Jeez. Yeah. A hundred. I thought. Stop me if I'm wrong. I'm not an economist, right? Um, but I thought the economy was doing well. I thought we were bouncing back pretty good. I thought money printing came into it when things weren't going so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is, it is interesting. So it's definitely the case, I think, that we're looking at a V-shaped recovery. So we were wondering what kind of recovery we were going to get. It's now pretty mm. clear that we're on track for a V-shaped recovery. GDP's bouncing back very quickly. Employment's bouncing mm. back very quickly. Um, and things are looking pretty good. And they're definitely looking a lot better than they were in September, um, which is when the RBA announced the first program of $100 billion that they were going to print. Um, and at that time, the RBA was thinking that it, unemployment rate was going to going towards 10%. It was going to, they were expecting that to peak out around 10%. Now it looks like it's already peaked at just 7.5% and, and is on its way down downwards. So the economic picture is a lot better than it was six months ago when the first round of uh, quantitative easing was announced. So it is a bit of a surprise. And it, it is interesting because like normally the RBA telegraphs its moves in advance. It doesn't like to shock the market. So if it's, so it's going to cut interest rates and no one in the market is is expecting it, they'll go and talk mm. to a few journalists and say, you know, hey, we think people are underestimating the chance of a rate cut. This is why we think it's on the cards. And then a couple of people mm. in the papers will start publishing articles saying, you know, rate cuts could be coming. And then slowly the idea starts to build and take root. And so that when rate cuts come, and no one knows for certain, but when the rate cut comes, it's never as a total surprise. Right. Yeah. So they, they like to sort of like telegraph their moves a bit in advance. Mm. What's interesting, I think, about this last, this last round is that I think the, the commentary that I was following, everyone saying like, yeah, the economy is doing a lot better. Maybe the RBA is going to start winding things back a bit. Maybe they've, they're thinking the economy is overheating a bit. They've, they've overplayed their hand. Maybe they're going to start winding some of their measures back. Um, that, was, that was sort of the flavor of the conversation that I was, that I was hearing. But in the end, they went the other way. They went like, yeah, we're doubling down on money printing. We're going to print another hundred billion, throw it at the market, see what happens. Yeah, so it, it was a surprise. It was, it was, it was an un, unusual move in that sense. Hmm. Well, you used to work at the RBA. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why didn't you know? What? You got no mates there anymore? You got no, got no hookups? Yeah, no. I mean, the funny, I'm, I, I was never high enough up the chain. And it was <laughs> moves like this or the interest rates is a, is a tightly guarded secret. So we used, as, yeah, right. as an economist, we used to um, gather around the Reuters machine, which is what it, what it was back then. <laughs> and uh, yeah, wait, wait for the announcement to come up. And we, we actually used to, really? yeah, we used to run a pool on it. Like everyone used to put so, in their bets, what's what's the RBA going to do this month? And people say, ah, oh, cut by twenty five or whatever. And 
Yeah. Someone, every someone. other com- every other company in the world's running a Melbourne Cup sweep. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are standing around a Reuters machine, <laughs> cheering it on. Yeah, and we used to do that with employment data. Everyone would take a punt on where that would come in at. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, so the RBA's announced another hundred billion. The economy's doing reasonably well um, now. So what are the what are the RBA now saying? Like, what's the reason that they've done it? What are, are the RBA saying why they've done it, or are they just like, um, yeah, here's another hundred billion? Yeah, um, kind of the latter there. Like the the statement that came out with it, they release a statement every after every board meeting when they make these kind of decisions. It was it was a positive thing. It was saying you know employment's better than we expected, GDP is better than expected, retail sales are better than expected, like a long list of everything being better than expected. Then they say, but there are some risks, particularly if COVID gets out of hand, and here's another hundred billion, kind of more or less. And that seemed to be so. There was that they didn't go out of their way to make a strong case for you know. They said they felt it was still needed, but they didn't wasn't wasn't a super strong case for it. Which makes me think. And the other thing that's shifted on the RBA's website now, they're talking about their their target rates and like the key indicators there. There's interest rates and the the government bond rate and. Um, but they're now also talking about the exchange rate and that's sort of come into focus. And sort of one of the things that's interesting, like if the RBA stopped printing money, they become almost the first nation in the world to do that, to stop printing money. And it, while every other country in the world is printing more and more money, and particularly the US printing more and more money. So what that means is that um, Aussie dollars or like would become scarce relative to other other currencies because other currencies are print, getting more and more they're more and more of them being printed so they become more and more abundant australian dollar becomes relatively more scarce scarce things go up in price and so the aussie dollar would start to appreciate and we're talking about a trajectory here because we part of this announcement this hundred billion it doesn't come all at once they're talking about five billion a week that's what they're going to do it's just a steady stream five billion every week Buying that's Ronaldo money. <laughs> is that an economist? Stop. I don't know who that is. <laughs> yes, Cristiano Ronaldo, the famous economist. Oh uh, yeah, right. Five billion mm. a week. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. so the, the night, no. it's, a, it's a steady trajectory, and so they know what their trajectory is. They know what the other global economies, what their trajectory is, and so you can start to model what the discrepancy is going to be. And then mm. that starts to put pressure on the exchange rate. The exchange rate is already higher than the RBA would like. Um, and in that scenario, it just starts going up and up and up. And we breach one US dollar pretty quickly and start heading to, I don't know, who knows where we end up. Um, you know, and that becomes... And why, why, is that a, why is that a problem? I mean, for exports, that's people, people stop buying from us because they, they can't afford it. So exports shut down. On the flip side, we get like cheap Nikes and stuff, obviously, mm. which is good for good for us, for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for, uh, um, yeah no, that that, that 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 sums it up. It's yeah, it's it's a real it's a real challenge for exporters, um, and that that starts to drag on economic growth, and it's a bit of a problem. Cool. All right, let's let's pause there for a second because I, I do want to know more about the the exchange rate thing. Um, I'm also curious to know what it is that we're going to spend this hundred billion dollars on. Um, how are we gonna? What is there? Is something in particular they're gonna inject it into the economy somehow? Um, but let's pause there for a sec, grab a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be back right after this. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist, and we're talking the RBA's decision to print another $100 billion. Um... And Tom, we're talking before the break. There, one of the the key drivers potentially is that they're doing it to try and manage the exchange rate, but presumably they can't just print a hundred billion dollars and keep it in cash. Um, they got to spend it on something. So, what are they going to spend it on? Uh, yeah, so they're, they're buying uh, government bonds, so federal law, state government bonds, basically. So, government issued debt. The RBAs buys it up. So the way the way this works is the RBA prints money. They just make make their numbers go up. They press a button, boing, they've got money, um, and then they buy government bonds with that. Now, what's there's there's a really interesting thing you hear that during. So we saw this is what this is this story is called quantitative easing, easing the quantity of money in the economy. Um, and we saw this in America during the the GFC as as part of their response. Um, and so they buy, they bought up government bonds, and that pushes down the the government bond rate, which affects interest rates throughout the economy, and and sort of lowers interest rates throughout the economy, and sort of makes makes money cheaper throughout the economy, and that's sort of the idea. Um, and at the time in the fir- in the GFC, the the government sort of issued the bonds were on the market. The Fed bought them up, and that that was sort of the end of the story. This time around, the governments are issuing the bonds. They're then taking the money from the RBA and then spending it in the economy. So, the quantitative easing is going hand in hand with a massive fiscal program. And so, state and federal governments are now looking at a combined deficit of fifteen percent of GDP in financial year twenty twenty one. So that's you can think about that as like five years of GDP growth just bang all at once, pumping that into the economy. And so that then, that changes the story because now you're increasing the money supply in the economy. There's more money slushing around in the economy because it comes through the government spending programs, whatever the government's spending its money on, um, comes slushing around. And that starts to then, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. This gets to, like, are we going to look at inflation now because there's no, more money slushing around? Where is inflation going to show up? Is it going to show up in asset prices? Probably. Is it going to show up in consumer prices? Maybe, maybe not. We're not sure yet. So this is why it is quite interesting and quite an interesting time for the Aussie economy and, and particularly interesting because the, we're already running hot. Like we're already in a V-shaped recovery. We're already doing pretty well, but we're like, Get it, letting us a, a slush gate of money flow into the economy, 
And I think the the consequences of that are going to be quite interesting. And you know, it's, it's I don't know it's like potentially the best business conditions in a generation. I think we're potentially looking at because you mentioned inflation. So that that's a real that's a risk, isn't it? I mean, if you as you say, you stick a hundred billion into the economy that doesn't really need it. There's all this money flying around. Um, Knowing what I do now, <laughs> which isn't a lot, but about inflation, that that has a, a risk of pushing inflation up because you've got all this extra cash floating about. Yeah, that, I mean that's definitely the standard wisdom. That like that's the orthodox view. The mm. MMT view adds some nuance to that, saying, "Yep, yeah, we probably get inflation, but it depends on where we have." capacity constrained sectors that's going to determine where inflation shows up we're definitely going to see it in asset markets because asset markets are capacity constrained the rba got hit with a freedom of information request earlier this month um they wanted to know what happens what does the rba think is going to happen to asset prices their answer was we think property prices are going to go up 30 percent over the next three years really that's what their internal analysis shows that's good news for me is it why i've got a house yeah, are you going to sell it and live in a tent? Well, I don't know. Is that the recommended approach? <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't thought past that. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. People think rising house prices are great, but it's like, I mean, there is a wealth effect. It, it, it gives you cheap access to credit through your home loan. You can redraw mm. on on the increased value in your home, but you've still got. If you sell your house, you've still got to buy another house in a market that's inflated. So. It's great mm. news if you own multiple properties. It's awesome yeah. then because you can cash out. But if you only own one, you, it's not, it's not, it doesn't really do all that much for you. Mm. So we're we'll, we'll, talking of, of house prices then, and this is getting back to, to <laughs> in a fairly long roundabout way, we've got back to Hugh's initial question who, was, uh, who sent us an email and, um, you know, another plug, uh, cve at equitymates.com if you want to get in touch or equitymates.com forward slash cve on the web. Um, so Hugh was asking about what all this means, really, the, these super low interest rates now that we've got. Um, what does that all mean for um, for property prices? We talked about briefly just now, you know, properties going up. Um, what does it mean for lending? What does it mean for people who may be looking to get into the market? Um, why are we not even talking about interest rates anymore? It's all about the money printing. So, um, yeah, what, is, what does it mean for interest rates? The thing to remember is so the RBA lowered interest rates to 0.25 and then down to 0.1%. And then once they hit that level, they then branched out in, in two directions. They added two more levers to their toolkit. The first lever we've been talking about is the quantitative easing. It's the money printing, buying government bonds, that program. The second lever is the term funding facility. So the term funding facility is where they've been offering banks credit they're offering banks money at the rate the, the rate of 0.1 percent and so they're, they're offering that to banks on the condition that the banks go and lend that lend that out to consumers um, and that's why and it's that program that's why we've seen fixed rate mortgages fall as far as they have since COVID started because the government the banks are borrowing th- at three years at 0.1 percent from the RBA and then lending that on to consumers at fixed rates at a substantially lower rate than the, than the standard variable rate. And that's why we've got low fixed rates. So, so the, that term funding facility is another lever that's in the mix. And this is another relatively new monetary policy tool. Um, 
And the RBA sets that rate. The RBA just makes that number up at the moment at 0.1%, but it could be anything. They could lift it. Some people thought we might have seen it, seen the RBA lift it this, this month, um, but it could be 0.1%. It could be zero. It could be negative. Is it, is it just me or is, does it seem like the RBA's, I don't know, getting a bit sort of fast and loose these days compared to where they were 10 years ago? Like all, they're springing surprises. They're just making up new rules for and new mechanisms for lending money that they've printed. Like yeah. it seems Un- like unnamed, this- unnamed sources are concerned <laughs> about their mental health. It seems like there's a growing trend that uh, I haven't been following the RBA at all for any stretch of time. But mm. just going off what you what the way you've described it is, they never used to spring surprise. They'd always just they'd always telegraph what they were going to do. Um, there's all these new these new tools just suddenly mm. at their disposal. Um, are they uh, do they even know how they work yet? Uh, uh, do they have? Are they just kind of throwing things out there to see what happens? Uh, look, yeah, to, to a large extent, we are in uncharted waters. We don't know mm. where this road ends. Typically, though, uh, the world central banks work closely with each other and they're watching what's happening in different places. So mm. this term funding facility, there's been something like that happening in Europe for since about 2014, I think. And it got introduced in 2014 and then in 2016, it went negative. So from that point on, the ECB, the European Central Bank, was paying banks to take money from them and then lend it to consumers. Did I, did I see Denmark or someone, was it Denmark mm. had zero interest rates? Like you could, you could just borrow money from a, a Danish bank and not have to, well, you had to pay it back obviously, but, <laughs> but you, you yeah. well, zero, zero, zero percent interest fixed for 20 years fixed for 20 years yeah yeah just lock it in is that because the the banks were borrowing from was it the ecb borrowing from the ecb at a negative rate so they could say that's right we're already making money we don't need your consumer money that's incredible i can't even wrap my head around how that works yeah i mean in that scenario the banks just want anyone with a pulse right who can take money from them because they're getting paid to to borrow the money Mm and lend it out so that yeah as long as the differentials there they're they're making money yeah right so this all sounds like pretty good news then for someone who was like maybe trying to buy a house uh if you're going to buy a house this week it's probably good news for you (laughs) i think if you're going to be trying to buy a house in a couple of you know in a probably maybe by the end of the year when they're up 30%, then it's not great news. I mean, the interesting thing, the thing to think about with when you're buying a home is there's two hurdles you've got to get over. The first is the serviceability hurdle, so whether you can service the mortgage, and that really swings on interest rates and where interest rates are at. And when interest rates go down, you're, you're able to service more, and, and that's good news. So lowest rates are good for you there. But the other hurdle is the deposit hurdle. So you've got to be able mm. to come up with... 10, 20% of the purchase price. And as house prices are escalating, it's really that deposit hurdle that that deposit hurdle goes up. And that's what's really holding first home buyers back because interest rates are falling. So that's going in Mm. first home buyers at favor. But as prices go up, the deposit hurdle gets higher and higher and gets harder and harder. And it's why you're seeing more first home buyers lean on the bank of mum and dad to get that deposit. 
Because in terms of ser- just purely in terms of serviceability, houses are about as affordable as they have been for the last 20 years. That doesn't shift so much. It's the deposit that really makes housing expensive for, from a right. first home buyer's perspective. Yeah, they need one of those, uh, you know, first home buyers need one of those money printing machines the RBA's got to come up with a deposit in no time. <laughs> Do you have a deposit? Um, one minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Well, there you go. So, yeah, okay. So, is there any way, just as a final note, mm. um, so RBA is printing $100 billion and they're sticking it into the economy. Can, can I get some? Is there any more? Is there any more <laughs> stimulus packages on the way? Uh, I don't think we're going to see direct stimulus packages. To, uh, I, I, I doubt it. we're not going to see. I think we'll see JobKeeper wound wound up. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to see cash payments. I don't even know if we'll see. You know, the home builder grant that might be wound up pretty soon too it's, mm. it's hard to sort of pinpoint areas of the economy that need a cash injection so i would expect we're going to see more longer term plays more infrastructure spending more roads bridges um you know maybe a high mm. speed rail stuff like that that um you know can they can sort of justify maybe the nbm will get an upgrade that might be nice mm. yeah. monorail <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> got my vote need more monorails getting around is the sydney monorail still going uh, i've been there for a while yeah i don't know Have you seen it someone yeah. someone someone send us an email if you if you send us a picture of you <laughs> on a monorail first person to send that in gets a free cve hat <laughs> disclaimer we don't have any cve hats oh, I've, got, I've got a i've got a texter <laughs> a signed a signed cv hat no less <laughs> uh, very good only by one of us we can't afford postage <laughs> in between <laughs> but let's be honest tom's the only one who's rating any good <laughs> any, any good on this show so yeah uh, I'll, get you, I'll get you to docu sign it <laughs> Uh, very good all right i reckon that wraps it up for this week uh thanks again thomas for your insights and input um thanks again also to everyone out there who's tuning in especially um, those that have sent through some emails um we do try and reply to them as they come in we will try and incorporate them into the shows as we go through so um keep them coming really really love hearing from uh hearing all the questions coming in over the email one more time it is cve at equitymates.com or head up head over to the website equitymates.com forward slash cve once again a big thanks to alec and bryce over at equitymates for all their support uh yeah that wraps us up for another week anything you've wanted to finish off with tom anything any final thoughts bitcoin to the ground (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you next time this podcast proudly brought to you by equitymates media always remember all information contained in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only It is not intended as a substitute for professional, financial, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to our disclaimer page where you can find resources to search for a registered financial professional near you. 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.